Welcome. Hello. And thank you so much for listening to the pilot episode of the What's in the Fashion podcast. This is a judgment-free zone where we'll be discussing and questioning current sustainable developments within the fashion industry as well as many other weird and wonderful things about the world of fashion. My name is Millie and I'm going to be your host and how the podcast is going to go is you're going to hear bits from me, bits from my conversation with my two wonderful guests and our first episode is going to be about greenwashing. The idea for the podcast, my aim for the podcast is to try and bridge the gap between academic information and research and research that is available to the general consumer because after a consumer survey that I've recently conducted about sustainable fashion, 96% of the participants um, asked for more information about sustainable fashion Um, and I think because the um, the problem of sustainability is so huge and complex. It is very, very difficult for anyone to really have the right information and I'm not here to tell you that I have all the answers either. I'm here to go on a journey with you guys of trying to figure out what in the fashion we can actually do and how we can aid the solutions to the large global problems that we're facing right now. So let's get on with it. Let's get on with the first episode. So what actually is greenwashing? Now I know this term has been thrown about recently. Um, It's probably another buzzword that is being used to describe and talk about the idea of sustainability. Um, And the term was first coined in 1986 by an environmental scientist named Jay Westervelt. 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 Um, And he wrote a journal on um, the hospitality industry and their reuse or not reusing of um, towels and bedding within the industry and that was in 1986. So I just want to make you all aware that this is not a new concept. This is not just some new age Gen Z millennial buzzword. This is a genuine um, phenomenon that has been going on probably since before 1986 but it was until then that somebody actually coined it and gave people a definition of what that was. Um, The dictionary definition of greenwashing is the practice of promoting environmentally friendly programs to deflect attention from the organisation's environmentally unfriendly or less savoury activities. So it's basically lying. Um, Lying though with the knowledge, oh sorry, lying with with the lack of knowledge that is available now. So whether they're actually lying on purpose, which obviously is an argument for that, or whether there is just not enough information available um, to brands right now to be able to relay onto their customers for us to have a proper discussion and a wide known understanding of what's actually going on here. So what's happening is brands are using green buzzwords, which I'm sure Um, a lot of you have seen. So things like eco-friendly, recycled, upcycled. Um, A lot of brands now are even going to the extent of coming up with internal programs to um, take back your old clothing and recycle it. Or um, they, for example, H&M has a a machine in their Swedish flagship store where they um, can break down a cotton polyester fabric in real time 
all of these things are absolutely brilliant but when you're still producing three billion new garments a year which H&M are how good is one machine which can break down about a meter of fabric every four hours um, so these are the kind of things that we're going to be discussing I'm going to break it down to you um, where the break is between what's actually going on and the sustainable developments that are really truly necessary and then what is being communicated and how they are being used in commercial brands and why that might be actually fooling consumers into thinking that they are buying into a more sustainable brand when actually it's just a really big marketing ploy. So, like I said again, though, I'm not here to give you all the answers. I'm not here to even bash brands. I'm not trying to slate or talk badly about people. The fashion industry is an amazing place um, and it provides employment to millions of people across the globe. And obviously, in most uh, societies now, it's legal, it's a legal requirement to wear clothes. So, we do kind of need it. Um, it's an essential part of our economy. Um, but the way that it's running right now and the, the practices that have been sort of integrated within the industry for, you know, 50, 60 years are really starting to take its toll on not only people but the planet as well. Um, so I just think it's really important that we try and understand um, what a lot of this actually means and hopefully I'll be able to help you all with those kind of definitions. So first of all I'm going to give you some real life examples of greenwashing and um, what is being communicated via brands websites or any any point of information that you can get from brands and what is actually happening. Um, again with a consumer survey that I did I asked what kind of things people were um, interested in learning about when it came to sustainable fashion. And one of the top ones was about recycled fabrics. And if anybody knows me, you'll probably heard me talk about this hundreds of times. I, <laughs> first of all, when I first started seeing that brands were using recycled fabrics, I thought, wow, this is absolutely brilliant. But then once I started deep diving into what was really going on here it started to look like it was again just a, a big marketing ploy and really there's a lot of extra energy that needs to be used when recycling things so i'm going to start off with recycled polyester so polyester is um cotton and polyester are the two biggest used fibers in the whole of the fashion industry. Um, polyester is a plastic, it is an unnatural based fabric and it is man-made, it is made from, uh, it's a petroleum based material so it's made from oil, crude oil um, and the process of making polyester, raw virgin polyester is very very carbon intensive in itself there's a lot of heat that's used there's a lot of water that's used there's also a lot of chemicals that are used it's a highly toxic process so that on its own is pretty terrible um i think it's something like 86 percent of all our garments are now at least contain polyester or a hundred percent made from polyester brands like boohoo h&m 
I mean, all your high street brands, a lot of their clothing is going to be made from polyester. It's a lot cheaper to make. It's widely available and it is quite durable in terms of um, its strength, its bounce. If you have ever bought a pair of tracksuit bottoms, for example, that have a polyester content, you will feel they've got a bit more of a like bubbly texture to them. They almost bounce because they have a plastic content. And when all this first started to come about, when DuPont um, brought about Lycra, it was obviously a revolution. Um, the way that you can make garments fit is a lot easier um, and it is just a more convenient product, which I think is the sort of premise for a lot of the mass-produced, fast, convenient products that we use now is the fact that it is convenient. Um, we all live very fast lives, we're all expected to work millions of hours, and um, polyester is just a little bit more durable, and you don't have to take care of it as much as you would with something like 100% cotton. So, initially the process of making polyester is a bad one anyway. So what happens with recycled polyester because now if you go onto um, a lot of high street brands websites their claim to sustainability is the fact that they are using recycled polyester within their garments now let me just tell you a few things first of all the polyester the, the initial plastic that they're using isn't coming from recycling old garments once it's in a fabric form, you cannot remelt it down and remake it into another plastic. So plastic that is being used for recycled polyester fibers is post consumer waste. So plastic bottles, anything that can, anything plastic that can be um, recycled on your roadside collection recycling. Um, it's being melted down and crushed and turned into a fiber which is then knitted or woven into a fabric which is then obviously made into a garment and although you might think yep great wonderful that we are you know reusing plastic bottles because we are completely inundated with with plastic but the processing again to get it into a fiber very very carbon intensive very heat intensive, very water intensive, lots of toxic chemicals are released in that processing. So by the time you've done all that and then produced a new garment, not, not only is the process of making it into a, polyester, into a recycled polyester fabric very, very carbon intensive, but then you're then using more energy and um, more time to then make it into a garment. Now, the problem with this goes deeper because right now there is not enough specific legislation to prevent brands from claiming they are sustainable um, there's just not enough spec specificity in the law and legislation around communication around green and sustainable um, practices so brands Again, H&M, Boohoo, Zara, all your favorite high street brands, unfortunately, guys, I'm really sorry to be the one to tell you this, but um, they can have one garment in a collection that is made from recycled polyester and claim that they have an eco collection. So you can see there immediately where the greenwashing comes in. 
whether the brands are genuinely trying to make a difference and be good, I can't give you that answer. All I can tell you is recycled polyester is unfortunately not as sustainable as we would all like it to be. Not only that, I actually used to work in a supplier who manufactured fabric as well as manufacturing garments. So I saw the process of the fabric being knitted. Now, when fabric is knitted, it's knitted on a huge circular machine which has over 100 needles going all the way around the top and they feed the yarns through into the fabric knitting machine which then knits it into a fabric. Now, all of those yarns, if you're making a cotton poly fabric, you'll have a percentage of polyester yarns, you'll have a percentage of cotton yarns. If you're making 100% polyester, they'll all be polyester. You only have to have one yarn out of the over 100 yarns that are knitting this fabric. One of those yarns has to be recycled polyester to be able to claim that the whole fabric is recycled. So, stay with me here guys. <laughs> so, the problem is is so deep and the the information goes so deep that brands wouldn't be able to necessarily translate this into something that could be palatable by a consumer um and it's just either super unfortunate that this is maybe one of the only sort of practical things that brands can do to um ensure that they are being more sustainable or and this again is just an argument it's not necessarily my opinion they are using it as a shortcut to be able to say they're sustainable so they can market their products as sustainable to increase sales um so that is one of the sort of main um uh, practices that I'm seeing um, where brands are trying to be sustainable they're using recycled polyester and like with all the information that I've just told you unfortunately it's not that sustainable so I'm going to show you as well the, on the YouTube video you'll be able to see um, I'm going to show you just some examples of brands who are using this um, and like I said, unfortunately, it is the majority of our high street brands. Um, but there is a little bit of hope, I guess, in the sense of using things that are already readily available and not having to produce new raw materials is a great thing. But like I said, you cannot re-recycle a polyester garment. And then what happens is when that garment comes towards the end of its life, it either gets incinerated, burnt, or um, buried in a landfill, or put in the sea. And all of those things are absolutely terrible because if you burn anything that's got plastic in it, a lot of the toxic and chemicals are released into the atmosphere. They're gonna affect the immediate nature around it or people. They're also gonna affect the biodiversity of that area which is again a huge issue and another massive issue when that when you come to burying plastic garments in landfill it takes plastic thousands and thousands and thousands of years to even start to biodegrade and 
it will never fully biodegrade and just become like a natural part of the earth like natural bio products do. It will leave horrible toxic chemical residue in the soil and in the water which then ends up <laughs> in our food. So when I say these things affect everybody it's not just like the fashion industry it's not a, a superficial level problem these problems go quite deep excuse the pun um and will eventually really start causing huge issues in terms of land that isn't going to be able to be used anymore to grow food um and affecting the biodiversity even further than we already are and it's really really not a good thing guys it's um it's a problem it's scary and it's worrying um and i'm not saying don't buy things that are recycled if you're going to buy something new you might as well make it recycled um but just be mindful that it's not as sustainable as you think it is um Another one that came up in the consumer survey um, was the idea of um, second-hand or upcycling clothing. Now, the second-hand market is huge. Um, it's growing and growing, which is absolutely fantastic because the actual, if you're just buying something that somebody else doesn't want anymore um, and not having to make anything new, that's brilliant. We should just all try and use things that we already have available to us. Um, and uh, secondhand clothing is is fun, it's um, individual, it's more bespoke and it's using vintage um, clothes and, and bringing that towards the forefront of people's minds is definitely a positive. We've, we've kind of got into a mindset now of like everything has to be new and fresh and things like that and, and it's just really not the case. Like often you see vintage clothing as well is way, way more better made than, than stuff that we get today. The fabrics are always better quality and it usually fits better as well. And this is a really nice lead in to me um, flipping over to our conversation with our guests as we spoke quite a lot about secondhand fashion. So I'm going to let you listen to that for a bit. So yeah, you are into secondhand shopping. Yeah. Which is really <laughs> great. And I'd just really like to hear why, to be honest, from your perspective, why you why you kind of gone down that road? So it's, it's actually quite... I think it takes me back like a few years nice. ago. Um, so I was born in France. I grew up in a small town. Yes. And charity shops are not a thing. Oh, that's interesting. There. So like if you go to like Paris or like big yeah. cities, I feel like now it's more spread out. But if you like in the UK, you have like British Foundation Shop or like Oxfam. Or yeah. stuff. We don't have that. Really? Or at least like where I grew up, oh. it was not like a thing at all. Wow. Um, Funnily enough, I think it also, like, you know how, like, from the outside perspective, like, of France, a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, yeah, French people are so stylish. Blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah, yeah. From the, the outside, that is a nice, like, cute little perception. But from the inside, it is very, like, it's very bad in the sense that, like, 
even as a child, you get criticized if you wear the same top twice in the same week. Wow. Like, wow. it's very, because there's, th there's this whole, like, presentation thing, you right. know? Yeah. Same with sizes. Like, I felt way better about my body moving into the UK because mm. everyone was, like, way more accepting and, like, way more open of, like, going out even if you weren't a size 10. Wow. Um, oh my God. But in front, it was, like, I was, like, maybe, like, a size 12 at the time, and I felt like a freaking whale. Wow. Um, and Gosh, that is so Which crazy. is so weird, but it's that yeah. pressure, you know, of like, yeah. oh yeah, but France is like, you know, like the Paris Fashion Week, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course, mm. that whole really cosmopolitan um, exactly. sort of look, yeah. And because of that, I think like you have that pressure of like buying clothes from like certain shops and like mm. being at least neutral. Like if you're not gonna be like, mm like goth or like it's very yeah, like yeah. a specific type of style then you want to have clothes from a specific shop so like would go on the sale season because yeah. i have like three other siblings so mm. like that's a lot of money to put into clothes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, of course i'm one of six i, I completely understand <laughs> there you go. um so i grew up like having clothes from the sales like from like mm -hmm. zara h&m like mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. where most people would go yeah um and i i didn't really know my style at the time i yeah. think i was just like okay like i'll just wear neutral it's mm. fine like anything that will not make me noticeable is great yeah. um, <laughs> and then like obviously went to uni studied something very creative because you know cinema yeah I love that. um and <laughs> i've always been very into like music that's from like the 70s yeah. like the 80s um yeah. films as well from like the 90s mm. and I just realized, oh my God, that's what I, like, what they're wearing then. Yeah. I love that. Like, yeah, it just, like, brings me that. joy, you know? Yeah, like, it's, vintage, yeah. It's yeah. so, I think there's a difference with structure as well, because clothes used to be made to last. Oh God. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. the few, like, I have a, a good chunk of, like, blazers that are secondhand and they're, like, mm. so structured. Like, mm. at the time, clothes were meant to fit you now it's like you're meant to fit the top yeah, yeah that's so true which is so weird like everything's yeah. very loose cut and it's just like oh yeah you'll figure it out yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no that's that is so true yeah and so it like if you want to have like more like vintage style clothing in france like you have to go to vintage shops okay and these are usually quite expensive like yeah, you'd yeah. have yeah you know like 30 40 quid per item it's like at that price tag, mm -hmm. I was like, well, for like what I can afford, I'll just go to Zara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I moved to England. Yeah. And last <laughs> year, uh, and I was just walking around and like, I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so surprised at like how affordable it was. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause like unfortunately that's also a thing that kind of drags people out of like sustainability i feel like in leicester we're quite lucky in the sense that you have charity shops but you also have vintage shops yeah mm -hmm. like uh i half of my wardrobe is from blue tit amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, it used there used to be a shop called dolly mix vintage oh well. i remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i believe it's the same owner yes amazing um and so I guess like the slight difference, like charity shop, like you're going for like a bit more like worn out tops, but who cares? Yeah, well, yeah who cares? And I actually think in a it's way better. it looks better. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like, I guess vintage shop is more like handpicked rather than people. Yeah, more like curated, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that just like, 
I felt like way more comfortable in those shops, like finding stuff. I think it feels a little special as well when of you course. find that one item. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's not like a rack of them. You yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really, it's really good that you say that actually as well as like a consume from a consumer perspective because mm -hmm. it does seem to me like there's a very clear sort of divide between people who love that one-off special item yeah. and then ones that want kind of the same thing as all the friends are wearing mm -hmm. or at least a very very similar style yeah. Yeah. um and it's really interesting though that, but the mindset that you were talking about in paris is very much that mindset of no you can't wear anything twice yeah so i think yeah i think as as consumers ourselves as well like maybe more of these discussions should be brought up with you know within our friendship groups yeah and you know just talking about why you know it surely it is better to be more unique and you know have something like you said that actually fits you yeah. uh, or like with charity shops most of the time like a lot of the stuff there isn't more than one of them yeah so you know it is definitely more unique so you heard Noel there talking about why she loves um secondhand fashion so much and it gave us a really interesting insight into um why she started shopping secondhand and um the the mindset change that she had to go through which i find extremely interesting um and on the mindset thing that i see is a huge issue right now we are facing a epidemic if you will of people being very very overly concerned about being seen on social media wearing the same thing again and to me I've never, I've never really understood that concept, to be honest. And I've also never really understood the concept of wanting to be the same as everybody else. But that is, again, just, just my opinion. Fashion, to me, is a form of self-expression. Um, and individual self-expression. And it's fun, it's exciting. And, and using secondhand and cut-offs and customising, all that kind of stuff, it brings your personality to life. It's an immediate way of communicating with a person kind of what you're into or what your vibe is. Um, so secondhand definitely is brilliant and I am not here to bash that. What I really want to do though is touch upon, <coughs> excuse me, touch upon programs that I'm seeing pop up a lot now from brands where they are doing a take back program where you can go in and dump a load of your old clothes and you will either get a voucher to be able to buy brand new clothes or some kind of discount um, or as well charity shops too and again please do not stop donating to charity shops like it is a brilliant thing to be able to do and not only are we raising money for charity but we're also reusing clothes that are going to be thrown away however we in the UK only resell or reuse 10% of clothing that is donated to charity shops, charity bins, through these take-back programs. We only resell 10% of it. And the reason that number is so low is because there is so much, so much that is being donated and discarded that the charity shops cannot physically process it all and sell it all on. There's also a huge problem as well that people often hand over or hand in 
clothes that are not suitable to be resold. They're soiled, they're damaged, um, and it's just a way for people to kind of lazily just have a big old clear out. Um, and obviously, charities are doing their best to try and process this all, but it is a huge, it is a huge process, and it and it just can't happen fast enough and at the rate that we are actually donating clothing. Um, a lot of our clothes, like a lot of our white goods waste or other electrical waste, are sold to a recycling company who then basically, in very, very basic terms, ship it to countries around the world and it then becomes a problem of the inhabitants of that country to figure out a way of getting rid of it or reselling it. Um, I recently did a report about waste colonialism, which is another topic that I'd really like to go into on another podcast episode, but just briefly, um, waste colonialism is basically the idea of global north countries, so the US, the UK, Australia, um, majority of Europe, um, basically uh, taking advantage of countries in the global south, in communities that are already very vulnerable by dumping all our waste there. There's a market in Ghana called the Cantamanto market which is a huge, huge resale market for all of our second-hand goods. However, there's only 60% of our second-hand goods, once they actually get to these places, only 60% of them can be reused. So 40% of thousands of tonnes of garments, by the way, I'm not just talking about a few hundred here, like thousands and thousands of tonnes, will be um, burnt, buried, or put in the sea. Um, and it is very quickly destroying huge areas, especially on the, um, especially in, in Africa. Um, it is destroying huge areas of land, it's making places completely uninhabitable and it is a problem that we are not facing up to right now. Um, Unfortunately, the governments as well in a lot of these countries don't support the workers enough to be able to properly process all this waste and it's destroying land. Um, this is also a problem when it comes to the take-back programs. Now, I'm going to go into one that H&M are doing at the moment and H&M's program is called Close the Loop and they proclaim to be the biggest clothing recycling and take back program in the world. They actually state on their website, our garment collecting program is the world's biggest of its kind. It was rolled out globally in 2013. And they go to say, want to keep an old favorite? Take care. Over 10% of garments total impact on the climate happens after you've left store. Things like how often you wash your clothes or if you toss them in the rubbish instead of recycling have an effect. So how you take care of them really matters. Learn how you can make your clothes last longer with the take care concept. I mean, great, but this isn't really, this isn't really a consumer problem. Please don't be fooled into thinking that this is an individual problem. This is not an individual problem. This is a problem that spans across the globe, across millions of people. And really, 
the ones with the power and the ones with the money are the ones that are going to have to make the biggest changes. Consumers can push the market, which is why I'm here right now trying to bring you guys as much information as I can. We can push the market. We can make it so that brands, so we can force brands into making decisions. But at the end of the day, they've got the money, they've got the power, they need to be the ones actually taking responsibility for this. So please don't feel guilted. Like definitely look after your clothes better, but don't feel guilted and make, and shamed into feeling like this is an individual problem because it isn't. So back to their program. So they say, don't want it, recycle. Our garment collecting program has been going since 2013 and we have recycling boxes in our stores. Stores? stores across the across the globe it works like this take any unwanted clothes or textiles by any brand in any condition to one of our stores let's just stop there for one second any condition now that to me is an immediate red flag garments that are soiled and can't be resold what are you going to do with them h&m because you're not telling me right here there's no information about that like Realistically, to make the biggest impact, H&M would do best to collect garments that are in good condition and resell them because what you're going to find out is they don't really recycle a lot of their stuff. So they go on to say, hand in your bag of old clothes at the cash desk and receive a thank you voucher to use towards your next purchase. Easy. Now here's another very clever marketing way of getting you to feel guilty about something or putting the pressure on you as a consumer to then buy new clothes from H&M and like I said at the beginning H&M produce three billion new garments a year okay so no matter how many bags of clothes they take back and recycle they are still trying to persuade you to buy more and buy new so that's clearly to me quite a big marketing play um, they're then going to say, once you've dropped off your previous seal of fashion in one of our garment collecting boxes, our business partner takes over. Our business partner takes over. Who? Who is your business partner, H&M? Hmm, I wonder. Um, they empty the boxes and sort the contents into three categories. Rewear. Wearable clothes are marketed as second-hand clothing. Reuse. If the clothes or textiles are not suitable free wear, they're turned into other products such as remake collections or cleaning cloths or recycle. All of the cloths and textiles are shredded into textile fibers and used to make, for example, insulation materials. All sounds really great, doesn't it? It does. It does all sound really great. And if we were going to stop there and we weren't going to look at any more information around H&M, then no worries. But I'm now going to read you some extracts from <laughs> um, a, from a, a report by Changing Markets Foundation, who are a foundation who support law and legislation within the fashion industry to do with sustainability. They put a lot of funding into research. They do a lot of investigation into a lot of these brands and they work with NGOs to try and come up with solutions to combat the huge problems that we are facing right now. So this is a 2023 July report. So this is very, very recent. And the title is H&M and Primark discarding clothes they promised to save an investigation. Most clothes in perfect condition are destroyed, forgotten, or sent to Africa. 
European Parliament should strengthen EU laws and that's what they're campaigning for. So they're really, really big on campaigning as well. And I'm literally just going to read you the first part of this um, journal, over this, over this report, sorry. And it's going to blow your absolute mind. So just remember all those things that H&M was saying, they're the biggest... Uh, garment taker backers, whatever they were calling it, they are, it's the biggest of its kind. So, three quarters of clothing donated to major fashion stores to be reused or recycled or actually destroyed, abandoned in warehouses or sent to, in, to uns sent to an uncertain future in Africa. The results of the largest tracking investigation of its kind. So what Changing Markets have done is they have got an air tag and they have inserted it into 21 perfect conditions, coats, trousers, jackets and other used clothes as they are passed through the take back schemes. Um, and it goes on to say, despite this, the slogan, three quarters of the items were either destroyed, left in warehouses or exported to Africa, where up to half of the used clothing were quickly shredded. A pair of drug joggers donated to CNA were burnt in a cement kiln. A skirt donated to H&M travelled 24,800 kilometres from London to waste ground in Mali where it appears to be dumped. Three items ended up in Ukraine, where import rules have been relaxed due to the war. Only five items, around a quarter of the original 21, were reused in Europe or ended up in a, in a resale shop. So five out of 21 perfect condition items that were taken back through these take-back schemes in Europe were actually resold within Europe. The rest of them, as I was just saying, were destroyed or sent to places where they can basically just get away with dumping waste. So, <clears throat> this is just another really good example of how complex these, um, these problems are, how complex the solutions are as well, because there are so many billions of garments made all the time, and so many billions of um, people, um, and the way that we live right now is not a slow, calm approach to life. We live in a society that is fast, that where we need convenience. That's why there's such a huge problem. The overarching problem to all of this is overconsumption in every single industry. It's not just fashion. I just work in the fashion industry. But we buy so much stuff that we do not need that we have been manipulated by marketing over the last over 100 years into believing that we need, that is then emphasized by social media and celebrity culture that's taking over our whole lives, like we're just becoming this whole mass mess of overconsumption and waste. And it makes me, like my shoulders rise when I think about it because the anxiety, like the thought of piles and piles and piles of just crap like we don't have to see that because as we can see it's literally shipped to other countries around the globe it's shipped to wasteland like what does wasteland what 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 even is that it's ridiculous so there's just another really clear-cut example as to how brands are able to greenwash um, through the use of upcycling and recycling.
and it is really sad and I'm sorry to have to be the one to, to tell you all of this. Um, my recommendation for this is, if you can, buy less, like definitely just buy less. You don't need brand new stuff all the time. You 100% don't. Wear what you've already got. Teach yourself a new skill. Learn how to customize garments. Um, but don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by these practices. Um, but again, this is not to put anybody off upcycling, recycling. I really don't want to do that. Like, I really want people to be experimenting and having fun because that's, at the end of the day, what fashion is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be a fantasy, a way that you can really embrace who you are through your clothing. It's an art form. It's a skill that takes years to try and perfect but you don't have to be perfect either. You can definitely just do things. Have a look on YouTube, have a look online, see what you can find. Um, see how you can, you know, get really creative with things that you already own. And on that, I wanna go back into the chat that I was having with my wonderful guest and um, speak with Alice about how she uses things that already exist to create absolutely beautiful garments. So let's have a listen to that. And that's, I think, leads us really nicely actually to to your brand mm -hmm. um because a lot of your stuff's either well not one-offs but you do very very limited collections yeah. don't you so yeah. you just want to tell us a bit about how you got into that yeah mm -hmm. um so it started in lockdown as which i feel like a lot of yeah. small brands yeah, yeah, started yeah, in lockdown um i was furloughed and had nothing to do yeah 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 um i painted my whole house for like yeah. two weeks yeah, yeah. and then i was like right everyone well, I'm became do a pro decorator during yeah. That time, yeah um <laughs> so yeah naturally just fell straight back into sewing yeah had an old pair of jeans a uh, pair of levi's that were just knackered oh, I remember yeah you. you were like one of my first customers yeah. for like what's the first <laughs> um so yeah i just made like this corset it was um like raw edge, so Loved I just it. cut the panels out of my jeans, mm. took the badge off, put it on. And I think it was the time when you could go and like go drink, you can, well, you could go to the park. I was drinking on the park. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. go out <laughs> and you'd meet with your friends on the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I met with my group of mates and I just wore this corset top of my jeans. And the girls always be complimentative of, of yeah. what we wear anyway, but they were like, you should sell these. Like, how did you, yeah. how did you make that? Like, I love it, we all want one. Yeah. And I, at the start, I was kind of like, Oh, well, yeah, you just yeah, be nice. Yeah. And then um, I was like, actually, I, I really enjoyed making it. I'm not doing anything at the minute. No. Why not, like, to try and make some extra money? Um, so, yeah, I had, had loads of denim at home that I just was not using. Yeah. Um, and then I managed to find someone who was local to me who had a whole factory full of oh, dead stock denim. Oh, I when you had all yeah, those. Yeah, he had yeah. loads. Yeah, um, it was factory yeah. full. Um, so I ended up buying boxes of old Levi's mm. and some of them really were absolutely knackered yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was using every little bit I could so the waist was really minimal so I started off making um, these denim corsets yeah amazing um, experiment experimented with them mm. um, yeah had fun with those and then I still wanted to keep that sustainable element and I thought it was just going to be a little phase I thought oh when I get back to work 
yeah, you'll I'll probably start whatever yeah, 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 um, sure. and then obviously work never really <laughs> came around yeah. for a long time yeah I know <laughs> at the beginning it was like oh yeah three weeks it'll all be over and done with it'll be done yeah. and then yeah like two and a half years later we're like oh. yeah so I was like okay I'll just keep making stuff um so yeah at the time I was working as a at a su the supplier um for fast fashion and obviously again during lockdown was when everything was kicking off yeah, yeah, yeah. everything got discovered yeah. all the you know everything was unturned well there was a um, huge problem wasn't there with especially in leicester because um a lot of where these factories are people were either being forced to go into work yes or they were um or there was there's multiple people piled on top of each other pretty much in very very close unventilated spaces yeah. where mm -hmm. if anybody did have covid they would def everybody would definitely get it yeah it and I think my friend Michaela, I remember she t telling me about um, where she was working at the time. There was people that were genuinely being told not to tell people if they had COVID. Yeah, that happened in the same place yeah. I was working. They were telling people, you know, you know, don't tell anyone, you have to come in. Mm. And again, people weren't really realising at the time that Boohoo PLT, again, I can only reference them because they were the, the Yeah, the main client, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they were still bringing out stock every week. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, everyone's at home in their brand new loungewear. Yeah. And it's like, well, where do you think it's being made? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. a label made in the UK, so, mm. which isn't always true, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the point. Um, mm. So, yeah, sorry, I'm going off a bit of a tangent, but yeah, no, the, you know, stuff was being made during the peak of COVID. Yeah. And, but a lot of people had no choice. Yeah, well, that's to it. go in. Yeah, they were just yeah, like, you know, you either come into work, yeah, make these garments, or you'll you'll lose your job. Um, mm. So yeah, at that point, I was kind of like, well, this is everything that I don't want to be. Yeah, in a brand. Yeah. yeah. So 100%. I was like, at the minute, you know, I'm happy. Just I'm going to keep it, just me, solely me. Yeah. I can only look after myself. Then if money isn't coming in, yeah, then yeah. I'm the only person suffering from that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's how I moved towards dead stock fabric. Amazing. Um, which is fabric that basically has already stopped going into landfill. It's going to be thrown away because yeah. it's the end of roll. Even if it's a couple of metres, mm. big companies can't sell it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because a lot of people aren't going to make stuff. Mm. Um, and a lot of brands will like, when they're in the manufacturing process, often when you're ordering fabric, they overproduce. Yeah. In case of mistakes. Exactly. Um, so yeah, please carry on. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's how what I mainly use. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to try and look in more areas for fabric sourcing mm, mm. and things like that. Um, but that is my go-to, so I keep everything pretty much limited. Mm. So once it's gone, it's gone, which yeah. is heartbreaking. It is exactly like it, once I, I get the print and it sells yeah. and it's it's gorgeous, yeah. and I'm just like, this is my last course. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. and I'm like, no. <laughs> um, and then yeah, it's quite difficult to. Mm find my style again and again and again of course yeah because you've got that really nice fabric i feel like a lot of your fabrics and again i will put your instagram linked on the description of the video but a lot of your fabrics there's lots of like it's almost like watercolor painting or like they're like paintings they're very romantic yeah. it's really like they're really beautiful i mean those yeah. like cityscape ones yeah like architectural had, yeah. kind of vibe mm. um, which is something i never really was into no. remember at union stuff i never was into you like, were pink weren't you yeah, yeah, yeah i was always floral yeah, pink yeah. and now i've you know changed but yeah so that's my main focus my main mm. source is that dead stock fabric reusing stuff that was going to be thrown away yeah. made into garments that will last hopefully for a long yeah. time yeah um 
you know, I reinforce, I pretty much throw everything twice. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To reinforce everything. Um, like made, like like properly, like it would have been done. Originally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if anything does break or whatever, I'd like to think that it won't. But yeah. if it does, my customers are, will contact me and of I course. can fix stuff. And you can have that really nice personal relationship yeah. with customers. Um, and would you say from a, from a cons consumer perspective, that is becoming more important? Like, do you feel like if you were to buy from a brand, like what kind of values would that brand need for you to actually make a new purchase from there? Yeah, I feel like 100% like nowadays that like the discussion has been open and like, because mm. like 10 years ago, no one, you know, like- Li literally, no one, ten, no one, literally 10 years just ago. just 10 years, you know, like it's not yeah. that far off. It was like the 2000s really as well when like globalization just absolutely burst. Everyone was getting clothes made in China yeah. and then we were all yeah. just like, go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And we had all these crazy new styles and mm -hmm. the speed of it, it really, really picked up then. So I feel like, yeah, that it literally was only 10 years ago and it's just remarkable how quickly it's happened. It has, it has, and um, it is important, like, I think even for me, like, I'm, <laughs> I might not look tan, but I am <laughs> uh, a product of Africa. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just, like, very important for me to, like, get things, like, products, like, clothes from, like, industries that, mm. like, respect, you know, the fact that every individual has of course. different backgrounds. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just ethics, it's so it's so important because if you yeah. let it slide now, like it's mm. never gonna. No. It's not those industries that are gonna like make the change themselves if they don't get the, the customers. customers. Yeah, to, like, yeah, that's it. Like pressure those points of like this is important for us. Like, hundred percent. You need to respect that. You can see that in like something that has been nice to see in the, over the last few years was like when you go on a website, again ten years ago, mm. go on the Zara website. Every single model was like straight hair. Oh yeah, um, white. Very like, <laughs> like like model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking very, like, very, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, how am I meant to like feel represented by a brand? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I can't find myself in those pages, it's exactly. like, how is that gonna look like on me? I have a different shape. Yeah. I have like yeah. different structure of my hips yeah. or like my yeah. shoulders. You know. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that camera is just bleeping at me. Both of them are, and I'm scared. Yeah, we're just talking about representation in fashion and inclusivity, mm -hmm. which. In my personal opinion, I think it's all quite connected because for brands to be able to sustain themselves, yeah. even just sales-wise, we need to be inclusive. We need to be exactly. representative. And I think there is such a, an argument for like Eurocentric fashion um, and it's very much based around the sort of stereotypical white European person, yeah. uh, which I hope <laughs> is, uh, is definitely improving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's again another reason as well. Sandy's just He's just too much, right? I wish you could talk. But yeah, that's another reason I think yeah. as well why secondhand clothing and the secondhand market especially yeah. has become so prevalent because of the idea of being able to find something that actually does bloody fit you and will yeah. last a little yeah. bit longer. 100%. Yeah. Interesting as well, when you were talking about dead stock fabric. Mm -hmm. So dead stock is, I feel like another buzzword yeah. that is thrown around and heavily used by brands to greenwash mm -hmm. <laughs> further. And I think what we need to understand is, so dead stock in the way that you use it and actually the way that I use it in my brand, that fabric was genuinely going to be thrown away. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what people need to remember. Like. You can you can get kind of bulk dead stock, but then 
like we were saying before, when brands overproduce, mm -hmm. the factories have got the rolls left over. But there is a chance that that fabric is probably going to be repeated yeah, at some, at some exactly. point or another. Or it can be re-dyed, yeah. which is good, but yeah, it's not actually yeah, it's, about to be put in the bin. That's it. <laughs> and I think like maybe again, moving back to the way that we used to make clothes, you know, one-offs or out of things that was something that really interested me with fashion yeah. as well like yeah. the one-off little scrappy bits like give me all your scraps oh my god i used to have drawers full <laughs> of like hoarding little drawers yeah, of fabric yeah. like this big so i'm just like just in case yeah yeah just in case i want to do like a really cool patch yeah. where it comes in <laughs> yeah. it never happens but it's no. better than it going into still, they're still there i think yeah absolutely um yeah those cameras are really concerning me because they are all flashing Ooh. now we'll just keep going until they turn off yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a plan um so with Deadstock as well, um, it's, it's almost as well with, with customisation is something that I feel like comes out of that. Like yeah. with the scrappy bits of fabric. Have you ever customised anything of yourself? Oh man, oh. that's a good question. <laughs> mm. I mean, I've definitely like cut some stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely yeah. take yeah. the scissors to it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, see that's something that I wish we could get like teached a bit more like maybe mm, through the educational amazing. system you know for the future yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> because like there's so many stuff like specifically when you buy second hand sometimes you buy something because i love the pattern but then yeah. It, yeah. it fits a little loose yeah. like mm. oh how can i make it fit me exactly yeah. um and i just want all of those things to have you know like the two loops on the sides and the string yeah, oh yeah then every yeah yeah, yeah 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 i think on social media a lot of the moment there are quite a few little videos now escalating that are how to do this or how to mm -hmm, customize yeah. this and again it goes back to that like information gap I think. yeah it like is. To, to be fair to h&m and that's probably the only time i'm ever going to say that <laughs> they actually do say on their website they state that the most responsible customer is one that reuses stuff that they already have and yeah. they wear stuff that they already had and they're not wrong mm. but i think if you can reuse it but customize it so it's not necessarily the same outfit yeah. twice or whatever yeah that's only beneficial mm -hmm. and like you said having that in the education system yeah would be great i think alongside maybe with the podcast as well i was considering perhaps doing some little educational videos Definitely. you know that you yeah. can like subscribe to and yeah. things like that just to kind of really basic things because mm -hmm. um, i think you know people that have never touched a sewing machine before are a bit I always find they're a bit like, oh my God, no, like, I could never what do that. This yeah, 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 what is going on? Yeah. Um, but they're actually not scary. Yeah, <laughs> and hand needles and everything. Yeah, hand needles, exactly. Yeah, I um, think it's important to be like, um, reworking, recycling stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. good to encourage people to do it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. showing them how is even more important. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And like, I've been sewing on buttons for people. Oh, and I find amazing. it mad that this is just me probably being a twat, but I'm like, how come we don't know how to sew on a button? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, But people don't. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. but we can engineer, like, a bloody space rocket, but people can't sew a button yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, no, it does <laughs> seem to be that. On that, girls, I'd really like to ask um, what your recommendations would be for brands mm -hmm. um, from somebody that has a brand's perspective, but then also from a consumer perspective. Mm -hmm. What do you think people should Ooh. be doing more to not greenwash? Oh, um... I generally think it is just, it really is the little things. Mm. So, mm -hmm. for example, you know, with the H&M thing, you just, you're doing the most. Yeah, yeah. You really are doing the most. Yeah. And you just don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. It's just honesty. Like, yeah. say your new collection has come out, there is 
10 garments that you're selling that are made from recycled fi fibers or whatever mm. just say that yeah, yeah yeah you don't have to market it you don't have to do all these crazy campaigns no. um just just be honest yeah and it really yeah. is the little things and i think people would take that more on board absolutely and they'll be like the people that want to buy it will buy it well this is it i always have this argument actually and i used to have this argument with people on my team when i had full love like Obviously, we know marketing as like a psychological science does work. Like we're, we're in a position right now where we buy so much more stuff than we need because of marketing tactics. However, if you don't like the product, you're not going to buy it. No. <laughs> so like, yeah, the honesty and that transparency, mm -hmm. I think, is is absolutely key. What about yourself, Noor, from like a, a consumer perspective? I think like similar in the sense that they play a lot in like, for example, the few times I've been in H&M in the last like two years or whatever, you have like the price tag and then you have like a green tag and just because it's green mentally you're yeah. like ooh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then it says yeah. something super vague about it being like sort of a little bit recycled and it's like for someone who's not in the, within the industry and stuff yeah it does feel like you're like of course taking people for idiots you know yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that should be enough so i feel like if you are gonna put a tag for information purposes. Write down your information, but write down your actual information so that as customers, we know what we are buying. Mm -hmm. Like we don't think, oh, I'm doing such a good thing for the planet. I'm getting like a fully recycled uh, like material. Like write down what it is so that we yeah. know what we're wearing. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And on that note, guys, I'm going to say thank you so much thank you. for <laughs> getting to the end of this podcast with me. <laughs> it's been a fun old ride, but yeah, I really, really appreciate it. Aww. And for everybody who's either watching or listening, this is going to be available on YouTube, but also through my Patreon as a subscription as well. Um, and yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed our pilot episode. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so I hope you found that chat with my wonderful guests really insightful and really interesting. Um, and they gave their recommendations just at the end there on um, what they think brands should be doing. The overarching idea is that we just need to be a little bit more transparent that would be definitely one of my recommendations too um my other thing would be there needs to be more detailed information on brands websites it needs to be as clear as food labeling is it needs to have a traffic light system to say oh this is very very bad this is very very bad or this is all right. We need to be very clear and transparent to our consumers and basically just stop buying as much as we are doing. So I really hope you found this podcast insightful. I hope you found it interesting. Um, I'm really appreciate if you've got this far and you've listened to the whole thing. Um, I will be sharing the um, social media apps as well so that you can contact me, give me some feedback. Please give me some feedback because this is the first time I've ever uh, done anything like this before and I'd really like to know uh, people's thoughts. Um, and I'd really like to be able to engage with the audience as well. So if there's anything in particular that you want me to cover on the next episode of What in the Fashion, then please let me know. But other than that, thank you so much for listening and see you later. Thank you.